following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hello everybody, this is Pepsi Mama Welcome you, welcoming you to another edition of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday, and that's like an ice cream Sunday. Um, because a lot of times I get on here and I'll uh, make up an imaginary Sunday, and uh, uh, at that time y'all can get whatever snacks you want and join me in my Sunday. Uh, but you might want to get your snacks earlier than that. I don't know. But anyway, uh, whatever you do, I want you to have a good time doing it. I um, hope you like what you hear. If you... Uh, you can like us on Facebook at um, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway. You can like us on Twitter at Blind Whose. The at sign followed by B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway. Um, and listen to us there if you don't like those options you can listen to us on any podcast player and because we're on all of them Spotify, Google, Apple QCast uh, they've got yeah, I think if you've got one of those uh, Victor Reader things you can uh, you can get it but I don't have a Victor Reader, so I don't want to comment too much on that. But from what I've heard, I think you can. But feels like I'm leaving out something. Oh, yeah. If you want to uh, write to me with comments, questions, or you know, if there's something that you want to hear. So it's Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday at Gmail. Um so, those are the ways. That, oh, and if you want to write to Victor, his address is whose blind life is it anyway at gmail.com. Because if it wasn't for Victor, I wouldn't have a show. That's for sure. Because right now he's doing um, the work on the channel that I hope to somebody, someday be doing to help him out. But my computer is so slow and draggy and you do more than one or two things on it at a time and it just seems like it's not going anywhere and sometimes it doesn't go anywhere, it just locks up. But uh now I think we can get on, on with the show. This first one is um is it's cute. It's called Challenge of the Yukon. And I like it. It's about this guy, and he works for justice. I, I I don't know for sure if he's a policeman or just what he is. I've listened to a lot of his programs, but uh, and he's got his dog named King. And um, so today, what they're going to do is they're going to go in there and tell you about the Cafe Palace shooting. The challenge of the Yukon. Woo-hoo! 
strongest of Eskimo lead dogs, blazes the trail through storm and snow for Sergeant Preston as he meets the challenge of the Yukon. <laughs> Sergeant Preston was typical of the small band of Northwest Mounted Police who preserved law and order in the Yukon during the gold rush of 98. That was the year that brought over 50,000 men swarming into the Klondike region, and the greed for gold led to frequent violence and bloodshed. But in spite of the odds against them, the force preserved a splendid record in preserving the right. The challenge of the North was answered, and justice ruled triumphant. The Palace Cafe in Dauphin was always crowded. Men who weren't standing at the bar or sitting around tables talking were in the back rooms, concentrating on poker games. But in Max Watkins' office, there was another kind of concentration as Max and his three hirelings faced Joe Merrill. I don't mind losing money in an honest poker game, but there was five aces in that deck. You're wrong, Joe. How about it, Pete? Sure he's wrong. I tell you, boss, that game was straight. You see, Joe, Pete here says the game was straight. Oh, he does, eh? I guess he's getting a cut of that 35000 I lost before I got my eyes open. Maybe that's why he's so sure the game was straight. Wouldn't make so much noise about it if I were you. Well, you low-down crooks, a whole pack of you are painted with the same yellow. I ain't the only one that's dropped money like that. I ain't the only one seeing you crooked. A lot of us have the same idea. Only this time I'm making it my business to see you run out of town. You can't prove a thing and you know it. We're playing with Pete, Sam, and Bart here. Three men's word against one. <laughs> you won't have a chance. Oh, we'll see what kind of a chance he'll have. I'm going out now. No, no, you don't. You're not going anywhere. Hey, boss. I might have known you pull a gun, Watkins. You should have looked for it sooner, then. Better make sure he won't live to talk, boss. He won't talk. He's past that now. Hurry, Pete. Put your gun in his hand. Put my Don't stand there, you fool. Do as I tell you. Yeah, sure. In his hand? Yeah. Any questions are asked, I'll do the talking, see? Suddenly the room was full. Miners crowded the doorway, stopping in their tracks as they saw Joe Merrill on the floor, clutching a gun in his hands. I thought I heard a shot in here. What happened? It was Pete. He had to shoot in self-defense. Self-defense? What do you mean, Max? What happened? They were in a game of poker. Hey, wait a minute. Here comes Sergeant Preston. Sergeant! Hello there, Slim. Hey, what's yeah, I'm mighty you... glad you got here, Sergeant. Hmm. Looks like I got here too late. Joe Merrill. How'd this happen, Max? I was just telling the boys, Sergeant. He says Pete did it in self-defense. That's right. They were in a poker game. Who? Joe, Pete, Sam, and Bart here. Joe had been losing pretty heavily, and he was in a bad humor, I guess. Yes? They got into an argument. Joe pulled a gun. Is that true, Pete? Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's how it happened. He had a couple of drinks. Never thought anything like this would happen. Is it customary for them to play poker in your office, Max? Oh, no, they weren't playing in here. Who was in the room besides Pete when Joe pulled the gun? Sam and Bart and me. They'd all come in here. Yeah, we thought maybe Max could quiet Joe down. Pete started to tell me what had happened, and Joe accused him of lying. I see. Lying about what? Uh, he said he that... Said he said that uh, Pete owed him money. 
Well, Pete, it's a good thing you've got witnesses. Max told you just how it was, Sergeant. He can tell it to a minor's jury at your trial. At my trial? Hey, what is this? You'll be tried for murder. Early the next morning, Max Watkins was talking to Pete McCreary in his cell in the Dalton Jail. The cafe owner spoke quietly, outlining his plan to Sergeant Preston's prisoner. But even as he spoke, the frown on Pete's face deepened. You're trying to frame me? Frame you? Use your head. What good would it do me to try that? I ain't taking no murder rap for anybody, you understand? Not for anybody. Never take that rap. Sam and Bart and me will swear we saw Merrill draw first. Four of us are the only ones that know what went on. That's just it. Well, you got a perfect story. Well, what I don't get is why you shove the blame on me so fast. Listen. Was I in on that poker game? No. That's why I talk so fast. Huh? The Monty knew Joe found out the game was crooked. He'd put that puzzle together in two minutes. He'd know we killed him to shut his mouth. How do you get that we killed him stuff? I don't care what the Monty knows or don't know. I don't like this. Yeah, you don't have a thing to worry about. I'll tell you something, Pete. I was uh, planning for us to clear out of here anyway. You mean leave the Yukon? Yeah, we cleaned up plenty here in Dalton. But it's like Merrill said, they're beginning to get wise to us. As soon as this trial blows over, we'll strike out for Skagway and head for the States. Yeah. Well, I've just been thinking... Now, what's wrong? A lot of them miners on the jury. Yeah, what about them? I've cleaned them out in plenty of poker games. And they got long memories. Oh, forget it. You're just nervous. As long as the four of us stand together in our stories, I'm telling you, you don't have anything to worry about. Just be sure you don't let that money twist you up when you get in front of them. Yeah. Well, you remember this. That jury don't set me free. You're going to be the one to worry. Sergeant Preston was walking slowly along Dolphin's main street when he heard someone calling him. Sergeant! Sergeant Preston! Turning, he saw Whitey Burns hurrying toward him. Hello there, Whitey. Hey, where have you been keeping yourself? I've been working pretty hard. Hey, I just heard about Joe... Yes, I got to the cafe shortly after it happened. I wish I'd have been there. I'd have knocked that no-good skunk out so cold he'd have... Oh, well, ain't much good talking now. It's too late. Who? Pete. Joe sure wasn't fussy about his company when he picked them three for his game. Well, I thought he always played with them. Well, he used to. That was before we all got wise. Oh, wait a minute, Whitey. I just got into Dolphin yesterday. It's been quite some time since I've talked to any of you boys. What's this all about? You ain't heard about the palace, then? What about it? I thought you fellas all gathered there and got together for poker and some drinks. It's the only cafe in town, that's why. You know, Watkins didn't always own it. Yes, I know. He bought out Mac McDonald ten months ago. Yeah. And Mac went in for storekeeping. What's that got to do with the palace and Max Watkins? I was getting to that. Used to be a man could go there for a poker game and know he'd stand as much a chance of winning as he did of losing. Yeah. That was before Max and those three fellas working for him took over. So Sam and Bart worked for him, too, huh? Yeah. Took a while for us to see just how it worked out, but it all added up. Every time any of us got together for a game, one of those was always in on it. You can take it from me, not one of the four of them turns an honest card. I see. Out the money we lost. I don't blame Joe for drawing on Pete. The only thing that surprises me is that he was so slow pulling the trigger. Hmm. What'd you say? Oh, nothing, nothing, I... Just thinking. Yeah, they all ought to hang. You got Pete? Yes, he's in jail now. Trial's tomorrow. Trial? 
About a good a trial will do. Whitey, I have a hunch. Sometimes it pays to play them, and then sometimes it doesn't. But this whole thing is too perfect. What do you mean, Sergeant? Well, I have an idea. It might not work, but it's worth a try. Now, listen. How many people know where you were last night? Why, well, no one. That is, except Mac. I was talking to him this morning. Why? Good. Where were you? Out of the cabin. I don't see what... You, you... will. Would you be willing to take a chance to prove Joe might have been murdered? You don't I think... don't know. I told you this is just a hunch. Oh, sure. But I don't know how you can prove it. I'll tell you how. But first, I want to warn you that you may be risking your life. Listen, Sergeant. Joe is my friend. I'll do whatever you say. King and I'll stay as close to you as possible. But there'll still be danger. What's your plan? First, I want you to talk to Mac. Tell him what you're going to do, and he'll help you spread the story. Then I'll... Yeah, that's right. I heard maybe Pete don't stand the chance he thinks he does. Say, the Mountie's got something up his sleeve. Wait till it comes out at the trial. Well, we might see her hanging yet. Listen, boss, there might not be anything to Shut it. Shut up. Might not be anything to it. You fool, of course there's something to it. Everybody in town would be talking about it if there wasn't. Yeah, but I don't see how uh, you could have... That's a trouble with every one of you. Never see anything. All right. Suppose Whitey did see you shoot him. It's the three of us again him, ain't it? That ought to be good enough for any court. Well, it's like Pete said. He fleeced every miner on a jury. Whitey's been here a long time. Every one of them would like to see us hang, and all they need to do is hear his story. I never looked at it. Yeah, you way. never looked beyond your own nose. Whitey was coming in the back way. Could have seen the whole thing. Yeah, I guess it's too late to do anything about it now. Too late to do anything about it. I'll hang for this if he talks, you hear me? Not you or Peter Bart, but me. He's not going to talk. I killed Merle, and I'll kill him if I have to. Where's he staying? Over in the back room at McDonald's store, as far as I know. Why? We're going over there. That night, Whitey Burns sat playing a game of solitaire in the back of McDonald's store. Mac, as was his custom, was at the cafe. Through the window, Max Watkins and Sam could see Whitey hesitate, a card poised midair. He's by himself, all right. That's the way you wanted it, huh, boss? Yeah, I just wanted to be sure we don't have any audience this time. Where's that dog? I don't know. Just a stray, I guess. Shut up, you mutt. Come on, Sam. Try this door here. If it's not open, we'll have to knock. It's open. Yeah, come on. You, Mac? No, it isn't, Mac. Whitey. Max Watkins. What are you doing here? <laughs> Just came for a quiet talk, that's all. Sit down, Sam. Yeah. What do you want to talk to me about? No use wasting time. I'll come right to the point. How much is it worth you not to be at that trial tomorrow? Oh, now I begin to see. I told you I'm not here to waste time. How much do you want? I don't need your money, Max. I've got plenty of dust in my claim. So if you came here to buy me off, you can forget it. I mean business, Whitey. One way or the other, I'm making sure you won't be in Dolphin tomorrow. 
You can take your choice. You figure if I'm not there to say Joe was murdered, Pete will be set free, huh? That's right. I'm admitting right now I made a mistake. Shooting Joe without thinking of the window. But I won't make the same mistake twice. Meaning? Meaning if you won't be sensible and see things the way I'm suggesting, Sam here will go outside. Just to make sure no one sees you getting the same thing Joe got when he was ready to talk out of turn. You've been getting away with a lot of it since you set foot in Dolphin, Max. You've cheated every man that held a card in the cafe. That's how I make my money. Yeah? Well, your money's no good here, so you can get out. Now. All right, Sam. Go on outside and make sure everything's clear. I got a gun in this pocket. Why do you cover it? Don't worry, boss. I'll make sure this time. Then where you are, Sam. You aren't going anywhere. Preston! Put up your hands, Max. You're covered. Turn around, Max. You aren't hearing things. Preston's behind you, all right. Well, he looks like you don't believe it, Sergeant. How'd you know we were here? How'd you get in? I was here when you walked in, Max. I've been waiting for you, as a matter of fact. When King barked, I knew you were walking into our trap. Now, I gotta hand it to you, Sergeant. I never thought they'd believe it. Trap? Believe what? Believe Whitey's story that he saw you kill Joe Merrill. When you heard the rumor, your conscience took care of the rest. A double cross. Yes, you might call it that. If you'd thought about it, Max, you could have easily looked for tracks at the window. If Whitey had seen you, his footprints would still be in the snow. But your guilt confused you. Well, you better open the door, Whitey. King wants to know if we need any more help, I guess. Boy, I never saw a dog like him. How did he know they were coming in here? Why, he was barking before they even got to the door. Yes, King, the case is closed. Challenge of the Yukon, a copyrighted feature of the Challenge of the Yukon Incorporated, brought to you every Saturday at this time, originated in the transcription studios of WXYZ Detroit. The characters and events in tonight's drama were fictitious. Bill Morgan speaking. This is the Michigan Radio Network. This next one is uh, for the younger group of children. Of course, so if you're a child at heart, like I am, you might want to go ahead and listen to it anyway. Uh, of course, if you were my age back in the adolescent and teenage years you wouldn't admit to being a child of at heart but i am i love to read old fairy tales and stuff and so there you have it uh but this next one is called cinnamon bear and uh he's telling the story of weary willie who is supposed to be helping but he seems like he's doing more messing than he is helping but We'll see what you think. And here's the cinnamon bell. the story of Judy and Jimmy and the cinnamon bear. If you'll remember, the twins went up into the attic to hunt for a missing Christmas tree ornament, the silver star. While searching through an old trunk, they found a little toy cinnamon bear only four inches tall. But when they looked at him through the big telescope, he got very much larger and started to talk to them. What's more, he told Judy and Jimmy that he could show them how to degrow. 
until they were just as small as he, so they could all chase the crazy quilt dragon who had stolen their beautiful silver star out of the trunk. At this very minute, Judy is mighty anxious to learn all about this business of degrowing. Please hurry and tell us how to get small cinnamon there. Of course, of course. Well, <clears throat> it's really quite simple, you know. It's all in the way you look at it. Now, just uh, pardon me a moment. Do you mind very much if I make one special growl at this spider here? He's been making faces at me, and it's very distracting. All right, but please hurry. It won't take a second. One, two. <laughs> he ran so fast you could hear him whistle. That's our most effective growl, don't you think? Of course. It's wonderful, Cinnamon Bear. But we've just got to get smaller right away, or we'll never get crazy quilt. Oh, yes. Uh, let's see now. As I was saying, it's all in the way you look at it. We're only as big as we see we are. I don't understand what you mean, Cinnamon Bear. Well, you're used to seeing yourself the way you are now, about four and a half feet high. Now, when you look at me through the small end of the telescope, I'm big, aren't I? Uh-huh. When you look through the small end, things look bigger. But if you turn the telescope around and look through the big end, they look smaller. Oh. Now, Jimmy, you take the telescope and look at Judy through the big end. All right. Now, hold still, Judy. Oh, oh my goodness, but you're little. Well, you're no bigger than Cinnamon Bear. Let me look at you, Jimmy. I bet you you're just as tiny as I am. Oh, Jimmy, you're only about four inches high. Really? Yes. Now, the only thing you children have to do to be small is to see yourselves that way. But how are we going to do that, Cinnamon Bear? Yes, that's what I'd like to know. We can see each other through the telescope, all right. But how can we see ourselves? Sure, and it's simple. The first thing you do is put the telescope up on top of that dresser over there. The, the one with the looking glass. Fix it so the small end is next to the looking glass. And then look at yourselves through the big end. And presto, change all, you'll be as small as me. Isn't it fun, Jimmy? Regular magic. Sure is, all right. Now, come on and help me put this telescope on top of the dresser. It's pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there. We're all set now. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Uh, I almost forgot something. I'd appreciate you putting me on the top of the dresser before you degrow. I'll have a hard time getting up there by myself. Of course, cinnamon bear. Just hang on to my finger tight. Okay. And up you go. Thank you, Judy. Now you two can look through the telescope. All right. There. Well, I can see you and me, Judy. So can I. And we look so tiny, we... Oh! Gee willikers. You feel funny, Jimmy? Awful funny. seems as big as a mountain. And just a minute ago, we were taller than it is. Well, well, how do you like being only four inches high? All right, I guess. Sure is funny, though. I wonder what Mother would say if she could see us now, Judy. She probably couldn't see us unless she looked awful hard. Well, we better get started now if we want to catch the crazy quilt dragon. He's got a pretty big head start. Where do we go, Cinnamon Bear? Right through that hole in the wall. What? Well, we were down on the floor a while ago. It was only a tiny little hole. Oh, it looks like a tunnel. That's exactly what it is, Judy, a tunnel. And it leads to Maybeland. Maybeland? But you said the crazy quilt dragon probably headed for the Lollipop Mountains. Sure, and the Lollipop Mountains are located in Maybeland. Come on, let's get started. Oh, dear. How are we ever going to get down off this big high dresser, Cinnamon Bear? In the airplane, to be sure. Why, look, Judy, over on the other side of the dresser. It's that gold glass airplane I found in the trunk. Only now it's great big. But, Cinnamon Bear, we can't go anywhere in that. 
Why, it's only a Christmas tree ornament. That's where you're very mistaken, Jimmy. That happens to be my very own extra private airplane, and it flies beautifully. It It certainly does. Absolutely. And if you want to know what, I once made a transroute beer oceanic flight in it. Come along now. Why, look, Judy. It has a motor and everything. What does it run on, Cinnamon Bear? All the motors in Maybelland run on soda pop. Now, you and Judy climb in first. All right. All right. Oh, gee. This is wonderful. When do we start? In a second, Judy. Uh, can you jiggle that lever while I get the propeller going, Jimmy? Sure. Uh, uh, this one? That's right. Oh, Jimmy, I'm so excited. Contact. Contact. Hold for a minute now, and we'll be off for Maybeland. Here we go. Whee! Oh, oh. I'll just circle the room a couple of times, and then we'll head for the tunnel. Where you're flying, Cinnamon Bear. Just missed hitting the trunk. I'm sorry, Judy. Hold tight now. Here we go into the tunnel. It's awful dark in here. How can you see, Cinnamon Bear? My shoe button eyes are especially good, you know. Anyway, it won't be dark for long. We're nearly through the tunnel already. Can't you see the light ahead? Sure enough. Why, well, look, we're outside. Oh, Jimmy, isn't it wonderful? Oh, it's the most beautiful place I've ever seen. Is this what you call maybe land? Indeed. Do lots of people live here? Scads and scads of them. All kinds of dolls and little animals and funny creatures you probably never even heard of. Are they all nice like you, Cinnamon Bear? Some are rather bad, they tell me, but of course I haven't met all the inhabitants of maybe land be a long way. Oh, it's just like a dream. What is this place we're flying over now? Those are the lollipop mountains, Judy. All those different colors you see down there are lollipop trees. Look! Is that the crazy quilt dragon? Where? Way over there, on top of that shiny cliff. Yes, sirree, it's crazy quilt, all right. And that's a cliff at the top of Looking Glass Valley. It's made entirely of looking glass. He probably picked the spot so he could bend over and admire his reflection. He's very vain. Let's hurry and catch him. We must be specially cautious. Mustn't let him know we're after him. We'd better circle over Looking Glass Valley... You know, just as if we were looking at the view and then get around in back of them and take and be surprised. That's a fine idea. My, isn't it bright, Judy? Just like looking up above you, because it reflects the sky and everything. Hello there! Did you hear somebody call? Yes, over there. Oh, me, it's that awful stork. Stork? Yes, Willy Willy, and he's a terrible nuisance. Always going around in short pants and bragging about his wonderful travels. You know, he's a globetrotter and he writes books, but don't pay any attention to him. I say, uh, hello there, and cheerio. It seems sort of impolite not to say hello to him. Oh, very well. But I warn you, he's no good at all. No good at all. Hello, Weary Willie. Greetings, my friends, greetings. Uh, could you perchance accommodate a weary wayfarer in your airplane? I've wandered many a mile and I'm most fatigued. Of course not, silly. You're bigger than our airplane is and you leave us alone. We're busy. Look. Jimmy, isn't he funny? He's wearing short pants like a mountain climber or something. And look at those horn-rimmed glasses. Look at that silly hat with a feather in it. He's the funniest stork I ever saw. <coughs> well, uh, far be it from me to intrude where I'm obviously not welcome. Of course, I cannot always expect people to be magnanimous or sensible of the extreme honor I am conferring on them by... Whatever in the world is he talking about, Cinnamon Bear? Don't pay any attention to him. 
He thinks he should talk that way because he has a diploma and writes books. Uh, I'll overlook your insinuations, Paddy O'Cinnamon. Hmm. If you cannot assist me in my flight, my young friends, perhaps you have the wherewithal to aid and abet in quenching my most ravenous thirst. He means he's thirsty. Will you please go away, weary willy? We're in a very great hurry to catch the crazy quilt dragon who made off with a silver star that belongs to me friends. Oh, indeed. A daring fellow, that crazy quilt. Yes, and... Furthermore, the only liquid we have on board is the soda pop that runs the aeroplane. So scram. Oh, soda pop. Oh, delectable. Uh, what flavor? Oh, raspberry. Raspberry? Oh, that will do admirably. What does he mean? <laughs> My goodness, he's picking up all the soda pop gas. Ah, oh, that was delicious, my friends. A top hole. Thank you, thank you. Now I believe I'll just fly over and tell Crazy Quilt you're chasing him. Or, uh, perchance I should say we're chasing him. See you later. Bip, bip. Oh, he's flying away, Cinnamon Bear. You bad old stork. Shame on you. We're beginning to drop. Don't be afraid. We'll make it all right. We're going right down in Looking Glass Valley. Yes, and I can see our reflection coming up to meet us. Whee! Oh, gee. Oh, oh, Jimmy! Oh, Oh, my! Are you all right, children? Sure. That was nothing. I'm all right, too, Cinnamon Bear. But I'm awful angry with that mean old weary Willie Store. So am I, and if I ever catch him, I'll make him molt where he doesn't expect to. It sure puts us in a fix. How can we ever get out of this valley? Sides are all made of looking glass, and they're straight up and down. I don't want to frighten you, children, but this is really more serious than you think. Really? What do you mean, Cinnamon Bear? Will you promise me not to get scared? We promise. We're not afraid. Well, I know all about this looking glass valley. I flew down here last year and explored it from one end to the other, and I found out what? Unless you have an airplane or can fly... Yes? There is absolutely... Positively, no way to get out. My, my. Our adventurers really are in a pickle, aren't they? Out of soda pop gas on the shiny floor of Looking Glass Valley, with sides too steep to be climbed, and to make matters even more unbearable, the crazy quilt dragon still has the silver star. Let's be sure to listen next time and see what becomes of Judy and Jimmy and the cinnamon bear. Hey, y'all, the next one is, uh, it's a little bit more for the bigger folks. Uh, it's called Border Justice, and it's from uh, the Cisco Kid. So, you know, you know the Cisco Kid, he's, uh, he's got his sidekick, Poncho, with him, and they're off fighting crime and trying to fix it up. And so, uh, in this episode... Uh, they were marshals for a little while, so. <laughs> but anyway, I reckon they got the crook, so that's that's what matters. Hola, amigos! This is the Cisco Kid. Come ride with Poncho and me on this exciting adventure, which we have called Border Justice. From the top of his Carlsbad creased black felt hat to the tip of his narrow, square-toed boots, 
Duke Cordan was every inch a typical gambler. His well-manicured fingers had earned him the reputation of being able to deal four aces from a deck or hot lead from a six-gun, both in record time. Well, I'm glad to see that the men in this town are interested in a good game of poker. You figure on staying here in El Paso, Mr. Codan? Yeah, seems like a good idea. The only competition in my business is the cows. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. I'm sitting in on this game, too, Codan. Why, of course you are, old-timer. What's the matter? Don't you like the hand I dealt you? <laughs> I don't like the hand you dealt yourself. Huh? Well, you and Matt Belton was enjoying, and I've been watching you handle them pasteboards. Hey, hold on, Zeke. You may be talking out of turn. And I've been watching you since you got to town two weeks ago, Matt Belton. You don't do no work. How do you get your money? Are oh, you old coot? Before this goes any further, what about the hand I dealt myself, old man? What was wrong? You don't think I saw you palm them cards, but I did. Nothing I like less than a crooked gambler. And there's nothing I'd like better than to make you a corpse, you slimy old salamander. Oh, my fucking tarnation. Why'd you take the play away from me, Belden? You heard what he said to me about not working? Hey, a couple of you boys take care of Zeke, will you? Yeah, I should have killed him. Why didn't you? Because of the new U.S. Deputy Marshals in town. Oh, more than one? Yeah, the Cisco kid and his partner, Poncho. Yeah, heard of Cisco. What's he doing in El Paso? Just passing through, I reckon. You also reckon he might be here to inquire about the shooting? I do. Well, I can witness the old prospector drew on you first. It's my word against his. What about the others, Mr. You think they'll dispute me? No. Judging from the way you holster that six-gun and the derringer up your sleeve, I don't think they will. <laughs> you noticed the derringer? <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's why I didn't call you about palming them cards. You saw me? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we ought to get together. I'm uh, Duke Cordan. Matt Belden, Duke. I reckon maybe we ought to. You uh, got the same project in mind? I don't like long-nosed Ranahans. Interferes with business. Yeah, especially when it's a U.S. Marshal named the Cisco Kid. Yeah. You counting on killing him? With your help? You got it. Then count him dead. We got to go to the Longhorn Cafe, Cisco. Hey, Pancho. Oh, we no sooner made deputy marshals and we find trouble. It goes with the badge, Pancho. Oh, yeah, hold on. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. <clears throat> Remember, Pancho, no mention of the true reason we are here. Oh, not you, worry. Pancho, the soul of deception. Uh, Pancho, the soul of description. Uh, oh, uh, Pancho be shut up all the time. And depending on it, loosen your guns in the hostages, amigo. They'll be expected. That weasel of an hombre who ran inside will warn them of our coming. Oh, Pancho, go through the swinging doors first. No. as fast to keep them from getting hit as you did to let everyone know of my approach. Why? Well, I'm only a customer here, Marshal. I don't know nothing. And you not see the shooting either, huh? Nope, I mind my own business. Why not ask me? I saw the shooting. What did you see? Well, I saw the old prospector go for his gun. Lucky he wasn't killed. Are you the hombre who winged him? No, I did it, Marshal. In self-defense. Well, that gambler circled around us and the other one back up. 
Should I make another move? You're breaking my arm. Stand still, Maverick. It will not hurt. As for you, Gambler, go ahead. Finish that draw. <laughs> you think I'm loco? Not while you have a gun on me. Besides, what's all the ruckus about? First, we empty your holster, Curtey. Now, what do they call you? Matt Belden. And you, Gambler, your name? Duke Cordan, Cisco. Now, you have the wrong idea. Did you two vinegarons think I would let you get me in a crossfire? Oh, pull the check right on your temper, Marshal. Since Zeke's not dead, go ask him what happened. He's over Doc's office getting patched up. Did you see what happened here, Senorita? No, didn't see a thing. Well, we will visit the doctor's office, Senorita. We'll soon have the truth. Here's your gun, Belden. Catch! The old man you wounded should happen to die. Be ready to use it when I come after you. Sit down to the table with us. I'm sad. I want you to shake hands with a friend of mine. Hello, Molly. I'm Duke Cordan. Oh, uh, thanks, Molly. For what? For stepping in when the marshal... Oh, forget it. That jayhawker gives me a pain. Oh, no love lost between you and the Cisco kid. He's huh? a badge. They're all alike. <laughs> See, what did I tell you, Duke? Ain't she the right gal for us? You could be right, Matt. You could be right. Oh, justice returns with a longhorn at a high gallop. I know I only wounded the old man. If Cisco tries to say otherwise... <laughs> Stand pat. Let him toss the first card. Very funny, Felton. What's funny, Marshal? Oh, you gambler, you keep your hands on the table. Poncho got you covered. Sending me on a wild Mustang chase? You knew that old prospector had left the doctor's office? I don't cotton to be called a liar. Settle down, Maverick. Better you stay on the floor or she will knock your head off. Don't get up, Matt. What about you, gambler? You want some of the same? You know, Matt, our friend the marshal has picked his time to die. We've plenty of time to accommodate him. Well, make your play. Uh, not now, Duke. But remember it, Cisco. Every minute you're awake... And if you fall asleep, you'll never wake up to remember nothing. Why do you not go to sleep, Cisco? Poncho, stay awake and be on guard. I'm not sleepy, Poncho. I'm expecting someone. Oh, that coyote would make the threat? Oh, you're not afraid of him, Cisco, are you? No, I'm not afraid of him. Right are coming, Chico. Throw some dirt on the fire. Oh, Pancho, do do it. Well, now we can see in the night as well as he can. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, who it is? Chico, here he comes. Let's go. Over here, Belden. But, 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 but that's a coyote we're talking about. <laughs> you punch like a mule kicks. Sorry I wasn't able to meet you sooner. Sorry I had to hit you, Senor Matt Belden. Oh, Pancho, sorry too, but Pancho, sorry, you did not understand what's going on here. You know why we were commissioned United States Deputy Marshal's Pancho? See, because of the smuggling across the border. And what did Marshal Martin Blaine tell us when we were deputized? Oh, that we get help from other government agents. Oh, you mean this coyote, the agent? Uh, Pancho, mean this, this coyote agent, the government hombre? Uh, no, 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 Pancho... I mean... know what you mean, amigo. But how are you sure... Marshal Blaine told me his own initials would identify his agents. 
M.B., Martin Blaine, Matt Belden. Try to act as I did to Cisco so that I could get Kodan to trust me. You think he will introduce you to the contact here in El Paso? After the fight we put on for him, I'm sure he will. Well, then you let us know and we close down on him, huh? Right. I'll get the message to you somehow. One thing is sure puzzling me. What's in your Matt? That gal back at the Longhorn. The one who told you to look up the old prospector. Too bad you had to shoot him. Uh, if I hadn't, Cordan would have killed him. I realize that. When this is over, we will thank you for saving his life. What puzzles you about that senorita? Her name. What's that? What's her name? Molly. Molly Barton. M.B. Same initials as yours. You think she is another government agent? I don't know. So far, she hasn't indicated anything to me that she is. Pancho, see her seating with you and a gambler? Godan told me he needs a girl to help him. I, I suggested her. More than that, I can't tell you about it. And she works in the cafe. She could be an agency in that. If she is, she can help us a great deal. If she's not, she can help us to a quick death. <laughs>
your question, Matt. She's already begun working for me. Molly's with another partner of mine right now. Uh, when do I get to meet this other partner, Duke? Uh, no rush about it. When it's the right time, you'll meet him. When's the right time? When I'm as sure of you as I am of the bullets in this six-gun. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah. You take this stack of chips. Uh, what do you want me to do with them? Just hold on to them while I check my gun. What do you aim to do with the gun? Now, uh, toss the chip into the air. You'll see. Well, here goes. Ah, that's how sure I am of the bullets in this gun. They never miss. Now, two chips at the same time. Go on, toss them. Hey, that's mighty sure shooting, Duke. That's how sure I've got to be about you, man. I have three bullets left in my gun. You want three chips tossed this time? I'll be sure to toss them far enough away from you so none of the bullets will hit you by mistake. Go. Huh. That, that, that was nice shooting, Cisco. You beat me to those chips. You'll find your last one shot in this town, Duke Cordon. Is that why you shot those chips, Marshal? You guessed it, hombre. As Marshal, I am telling you to move on. Proto. You ordering me out of town. You hear what Cisco say? Lucky you're saying it as the Marshal and not as the Cisco kid. Unbuckle your gun belt, Cordan. Hey, what for, Marshal? You keep out of this belt, don't uh, If you figure to lock me up, I hope you've got a charge that'll stick. As soon as I have removed my gun belt, I'll repeat what I said as the Cisco kid. And the badge? And the badge. Ah, one private citizen to another. I'm going to beat your head off. Get up, Cisco. He'll take you by surprise when you put down his bag. Now let him do it again. Yeah, to finish you off. Cisco, stop right here. Get back, you gambler coyote. I'll punch a bullet through you. Stop, Pacho. Leave us alone. I'll leave you alone with a boot in your face. Now, come on, grab your foot. And quick. Stop on your feet, Corinne. And see. You can take it. Well, let's hand it out. You law-loving toad. Cisco, that wind will break the box to slash you. That what I can grab you out? Well, I break this hold, I'll cut you to ribbons. First break the hold. I will. Now I'm going to carve my initials on your face. Rock the skulking sidewinder. Like to slash me, will you? Yeah, let go. Put me down. Slash me. Chihuahua. Ah. The Duke Cordell and the broken bottle and all go sailing through the glass window like a bird. A buzzard. <laughs> now you, Belden. Get Cordell's things together and get out of town with him. Savvy? Sure, Cisco. I savvy plenty. Cordell ain't gonna forget what just happened. You better be on the prod every minute of the day or night if you figure to stay alive. <laughs> did it again. You never miss, do you, Zeke? Why, you're every bit as good with that knife as Duke is with a six-gun or the Derringer. <laughs> yeah, every bit as good as Matt Belden is going to find out when he gets here. Duke's bringing Belden here? I reckon that means he intends to kill him, huh? Nope. That little chore is mine. It was Belden who shot me, you remember? Well, what about the Cisco kid and Poncho? You wait and see. 
Even Pancho will be able to follow the trail Duke's going to leave. Mm. Cisco, Pancho, and Belden. Going to get all three of them at the same time. That's the way Duke planned it. And you're going to be the bait to trap them. Hey, it's Duke and the government, don't we? As soon as that vomit building walks through the door, he's going to feel the temper of the steel. What if he yells? It'll warn Cisco and Pancho. A knife kills quick and quiet. Let him in. Howdy, Molly. Hey, what in Molly, think what's going on here. Ask the girl, Duke. She tripped that varmint so as my knife had missing. Oh, you're plumb loco. I was standing near the door. I tried to get out of the way. Belton fell right over my foot. Uh, well, Zeke is your partner, Duke. Why'd you try to knife me, old man? Hey, Duke. It's the idea of the gun on my back. Move in, you government skunk. All right, Zeke. Get his gun. You bet, Duke. I reckon this answers your question, Belton. All right. Now, never mind about the explanation, Zeke. You go on out there and hide the horses. I'll tie Belden up, and then we'll decide about Molly. Uh, All right, Duke. What do you mean, decide about me? Hey, Duke, I just spotted two hombres along the edge of the clearing. Ah, must be those badge toters, Cisco and Poncho. Uh-huh. Followed me just like a fig. No need to hide the horses now. Ah, yes, sir. It's only you ain't going to do it. The girl is. Why me? If you trip Belden to save his life, You'll have your chance to warn Cisco. And if you didn't, you can help me take him alive. Why do you want him alive? Well, what do you think? To pay him back for what happened at the cafe. Tell you all about it later. All right, Molly. You're going out there. I'll be watching every move you make. And the muzzle of a gun will follow them moves. The first false one, this government snooper dies. <laughs> Looks like you two covered everything. Well, if it's up to me to prove where I stand, I'll do it. I'll even go one step further. I'll bring Cisco and Pancho back in here with me like a couple of lambs to slaughter. Molly Barton, she hide the horses that Coyote Duke and Senor Matt ride. What's she doing now? Wiping out the horse tracks with that branch. Matt Belden and Duke Cordan must be in the house. See? How we get in there without getting killed? Get her. She's heading this way. Who do you think you're fooling, Cisco, by hiding in the brush? Oh, Cisco, she knows we're here all the time. Can you help us get into the cabin, senorita? You don't need my help. Just walk right in. No one's there. But those horses, they belong to Cordan and Senor Madbeldo. Sure, Duke and Matt went to meet another partner of theirs. If you want to capture them, go on into the cabin. Senorita Mari, if you are working on this case with Matt Belden, give me some sign so I will know whether you are telling the truth or talking loudly for the benefit of whoever is in the cabin. What she do, Cisco? She's pretending to brush out some horse tracks, but she's chasing some letters on the ground. M.B. Martin Blaine. Gracias, Mr. Molly. Now I know you cannot answer my question if those mavericks are willing to drag us me. If they are in the cabin, let me know by saying that takes care of the horse tracks. 
Come on, follow me. Well, that takes care of the horse track. Come on, follow me. Make up, Pancho. Make no move to inform them we know it. Uh, come on, Pancho. Since you are trying to help us, senorita, I'll forget you joined Cordan. See, si. see, si, the, the law forget about that. What do you really have to do Cordan for? Not just because he's a gambler. No, senorita Molly, it is not. I thought you would know the true nature of Cordan's business. Well, he said nothing to me so far, just that there's plenty of money in it. Oh, see, sure, so there's there lots of money in smuggling. Smuggling? Of the worst kind, senorita. Go ahead, open the door. Sure, if you want me to, but why? Another move, and I'll put a bullet through you. Chico, Chico, you all right? Hey, Pancho, untie some your mat. Take the gag from his mouth. What happened in here? Your mat tripped this hombre when he threw the knife at me. Gracias, Senor Mat. You saved my life. There. Are you able to talk now? Soon you'll be on tight, Senor Mat. Oh, thank you, Pancho. I reckon we're even, Cisco. These two sidewinders were going to kill me if you hadn't shown up. How'd you know they were in here? From what you said, uh... Senorita Molly can tell you about it. After I see these two smugglers behind bars and write a full report of it to M.B., Martin Blaine. Well, then you are. Why, sure, Senor Matt. Oh, Pancho know all the time. Now, Pancho. Well, um, uh, Pancho know for, for some time now that Senorita Molly... Did you? Yeah. Well, like Pancho say... It... Pancho just find out that senorita. Cisco. Hey, Pancho. Even though we help put those smugglers in jail, we not find out the real names of Senor Matt and Senorita Marley. That is part of the business of being government agents. Their true names are kept secret, so they can do the same work whenever they are needed. Oh, well, they in a good business. They get lots of excitement. Someday Pancho go into a business with got lots of excitement. What kind of business would you go into that has a lot of excitement, Pancho? Uh, the food business. The food business? What part of it? The eating part. Ah, oh, Pancho! Pancho! <laughs> 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 Cisco Kid returns next week with another thrilling adventure. This is the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service. right here has been around in some form or other ever since I was little or little orphan Annie 
and uh the the program she's going to do is the tin box and it's kind of scratchy uh we may can work some of the scratch out i'm not sure but it's kind of scratchy it would be i i should have put my hearing aids in to see if i could hear better uh, but I was kind of afraid that I'd hear more of the scratch if I put the hearing aids in. So there you have it. Uh, but it's, it's, it's not that bad. I'm just saying that if you have a hearing deficiency, it might bother you. But it's called the tin box. And see you when I get back. <laughs> Enough for a baseball team. They'll be here pretty soon, Miss Silo. I can't 
supposed to be. If it isn't you and Joe, you're under my police call. I mean, with the whole house to clean and set me orders. I'll help you with the style if you want me to. No, never mind. You and Joe and the police will all be play or whatever it is you're going to do. I should get along all right, I guess. Oh, I'm going to call you. Now, Paul, whatever are you doing still hovering around the house? I thought you'd be out of here hours ago. And you with a lot of chores to be done. And I want you to give me a hand more to the upstairs window this afternoon. You hurry up to get through. Well, we've got much to do this morning. I'll be ready whenever you want. Uh, just take your head out of the window and holler, and I'll come along. I know you. When I want to, you'll tell me that you're busy doing something else. No, I won't be. That's a little of the day. I was taking on money in the town for a while when I got done. <laughs> I was thinking down things in the street. I guess you didn't miss anything. But it's not a big Paul. Put down that book. No wonder you don't get anything done around here. Put it down, I say. Get started. Oh, 
Let's live with this music, please. Now, can you tell me he's going to work on the palm of his hand, Mrs. Harley? But they just get some different ones, too. Well, let's see the
you then. This is Pierre Andre saying goodbye. <laughs> next one uh i guess it's for bigger kids too but i used to play the lone ranger ever since i was a little bitty thing and you know i had all these cute little hobby horses and things you know where you get on him he's got a head on him and you get on the stick and ride the stick (laughs) and uh so uh i wasn't too crazy about those but i had old jumping jack uh, he was a little bitty horse that I used to jump on and ride and uh, I'd have my little guns and I'd go shoot and I had cap guns and water guns and every kind of gun you could think of. Uh, I remember one year, uh, I think I was nine, I went to the dime store and I got a, a gun that sounded like a car starting up. Wooden, 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 wooden. <laughs> oh, Mama said I went to the dime store. Mama went and got it for me. She said, Lord, if I'd known it made that noise, I'd have left it there. But <laughs> so, uh, but you know, I had fun with all kinds of of toys like that uh, when I was little. Didn't we? Didn't worry about being too violent or anything like that it was just what it was and and we knew the difference in playing and what was real we did back then uh we didn't our mamas and daddies didn't have to get on to us about you know being mean to a, another little kid with a gun or something so uh that's just the way it was 
Oh, the name of that one was Crooked Sheriff. And, yeah, I lost it. But, Crooked Sheriff and something. But anyway, you'll get it. <laughs> I, I think, folks, it's, it's, I'm really hot in here. I've got my air conditioner turned off so that it won't, uh, make so much noise on the recording. So that when Victor goes back and edits, he doesn't have a hard time with it. So, uh, it, it's kind of slowing down my brain. <laughs> but I'm almost done. Horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high old silver, the Lone Ranger. A phantom figure of the plains rode the trails of long ago to bring justice to the oppressed. Where he came from, no one ever knew. But his heroic deeds were recorded in the memories of the people of seven states. Even today, the cowboys sit around the campfire and relate yarns of his daring, of his speed on the draw when he meted out punishment to the lawless, of his great horse, Silver, the fastest the West has ever known. History does not record his many adventures, but the West will always remember the shout which has come down through the years. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, kill him, old boy! That little fellow! Tell us waiting for us in the trail ahead! We have to hurry, old boy, or we may be too late! Oh, kill him, old boy! The Lone Ranger urged the great horse silver down the trail toward Wells City, a typical rancher's community of the pioneer days. Ben Bush was the wealthiest man in town. He owned the bank, controlled vast sections of range land in the territory, received dividends from most of the other commercial enterprises. But for all his wealth and power, he was thoroughly disliked. He ruled Wells City and the surrounding district with an iron hand. And it was suspected, though never proved, that he had built his position upon a disregard of honesty and justice. It was certain that the sheriff of the county, Pete Crowley, obeyed his commands without question. And the lawman's reputation had suffered in consequence. In the first scene of tonight's Lone Ranger drama, we see Ben Bush speaking with Crowley in the cafe. They are seated in one corner of the large room and are careful that they're not overheard by the rest of the crowd. I tell you, I'd done all I could. It ain't my fault them two was rescued. I don't like alibis. But there ain't a man alive can do more than I done. You ain't done good enough, Crowley. That's the point. But I can't. Just remember, I'm the man put you in office. I ain't forgot that. I'm the man can get you out of office. I know, Mr. Bush, but what more can I do than what I'm doing? The sheriff needs arresting crooks and guarding them, don't it? Sure, that's what I done. What I've been doing all along. I ain't asked you to give evidence again them. I've done that myself. Uh, They've oh, yeah, gone man. to trial and been found guilty. Yeah. But twice. When they was all set to get hung, they was rescued by some masked man on a white horse. But he rides like lightning. 
The way he handles them two guns of his, a man hasn't a chance to... I don't like alibis. I told you that before, Crowley. I ain't alibying, Mr. Burst. You know as well as I do, that white horse is a devil on four legs. The rider ain't. He had us all covered within six guns of his before we could say Jack Robinson. Then you should get some deputies that's quicker on the draw. I tell you, Crowley, I don't like the way things is going here. Who is that masked man, anyhow? I don't know. Like us not, he's an outlaw. Sure, wearing a mask like he does, he must be. Then why don't you arrest him? Get him tried and hung. But you can't find him. I'm heading men out hunting. Ah. It's the truth. I've had parties out ever since Lem Frisbee was saved from the hangman's rope. Ain't even found facts, have you? No, but we still got men out. Rot. First thing you know, my enemies will get teamed up against me. Then now they are through in this town. I know. Maybe that's what you're figuring on. No, no, Mr. Bush. You know that ain't the case. I don't trust anyone, Crowley. Maybe that's why I got where I am. Well, don't you trust me? I done what you asked me to ever since I got in office. Yeah, let two of my enemies escape. Like as not the one that's in jail now will be rescued by that masked man before he's hung. He won't. You can bet on that. We've got guards at the jail night and day. I reckon we better go down there and make sure he's still locked up. Shucks, you'll be there. Neither of the others was took till he was ready to hang. Larson ain't even come up for trial yet. We're gonna take a look anyhow. Come on. Well, you want him. Ain't no use. You take my word for it, you're still there. I'm beginning to think your word don't amount to much. I wish you'd put more trust in me, Mr. Bush. Just a couple more escapes in this town, and you're going to be out in the office, Crowley. Mind what I tell you. Well, come on. Let's go to the jail. Uh, Hi, Fred. When you get careless. I think we can leave the horses here at the hitch rack. Too far down to the jail. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mr. Bush, uh, I've been thinking. Well? You're sort of dissatisfied with the way I've been doing my job. Why shouldn't I be? Two men I figured to get rid of by this time are out free somewhere. Well, you ain't the only one that ain't satisfied with things as they stand. Well, what do you mean? I've been thinking I ought to get more money. More money? Yep. If you had an honest sheriff in here, you wouldn't stand a chance of getting away with the things you've been doing. Yeah? Well, get this, Crowley. Anytime you get tired working for me, or any time I get tired of the way you do your job, there's a jail cell waiting to hold you. You mean... I mean I got evidence to put you in jail, same as I got it against my other enemies. Hey, look over by the jail. A white horse. If that's the same man... Hurry up, Blossom, this way! Use your gun, drop him. Get the two of them. They're getting to the saddle. I never figured he'd try and get Larson away before his trial. Three of my enemies out loose and all saved by the same man. Crowley, I'm beginning to think you're scheming things again, man. In spite of the efforts of Bush and Crawley, the Lone Ranger had effected the rescue of each of the three men framed by the pair. 
After his last exploit, the masked man returned to his camp with Steve Larson, the third of the rescued prisoners. Shadow, this is Steve Larson. I just helped him to escape from jail. Oh, that good. Uh, I don't carry this at all. Who are you? I hope to be your friend, Larson. What'd you bust me out of the jail for? So you wouldn't be tried and hung for murder. But they didn't have no evidence against me. They didn't have evidence against the other two men, but both of them were ready to hang. You're the man that rescued them? Yes, Toto and I. Where are they now? They're safe for the time being. Just what are you up to, mister? What's the mask for? I brought you here to ask questions of you, not to answer yours. I suppose I should be doggone grateful to you, but I ain't. I'm not asking for your gratitude. If I got tried and freed, I'd been all right. But as it stands now, I'm an outlaw. Yes, my wife is here in town. So's my kid. I can't ever go back to see them. My busting out of the jail is the same as confessing my guilt. You were accused of murder. Yeah, but I, I could have proved my innocence. How? Oh. The night Sam Turner was killed, I was at home with Mary and little Jerry. That wouldn't clear you, Larson. Remember, Ben Bush is against you. That screaming cold cat. Someday he's going to get all that's coming to him. That's what I'm working for. You know about him? Not all that I want to know. You tell me about him. Got so much money, he does whatever he darn pleases. I've been told that. You had money in his bank, didn't you? All my savings. About $3,000. That's just the point. Hmm? Frisbee and Slade had their money in his bank. That's why they were framed for murder. See, do you mean to say they weren't guilty of murders? No. But the evidence, what? Four men seen them do the shooting. Those four men were paid to tell the jury that story. By Bush? Yes. What's his game? Larson. Bush takes the money people put in his bank. Steals it? Yes. And before the money can be claimed, he arranges for the owner to get into trouble. And Sheriff Crowley works hand in glove with him. See, do you mean to tell me I'd have faced what Frisbee and Slade did? Yes. That there'd have been men on the stand to swear they'd seen me shoot a man? That's just what would have happened. Why, they don't You call Bush a schemer and a polecat. What do you know about him? I know he never gives a man a chance to pay up a mortgage if he has a little, little late on yes. it. Yes. He swindles and cheats wherever he can. I always thought he stuck to the letter of the law. No, he doesn't even do that. What am I to do now? I want you to help me. How? I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Slade and Frisbee. Yeah? Will you stake your freedom on a chance that you might hang rather than spend the rest of your life as an outlaw? I don't savvy. As you stand right now, you're safely away from the jail. You can leave my camp and go where you want to. But you'll always be hunted by the law for a crime you didn't do. I savvy that. If you'll help me and risk being captured, there's a chance to put Ben Bush and Sheriff Crowley where they belong. And then you can return to town a free man. Life wouldn't mean much to me, away from my wife and kid. Then I can count on you? Yes. I suppose Frisbee and Slade decided different, being as they ain't around here. But I'll go in with you. They've made the same choice. Yeah? Gosh, and the four of us are working together? There are five of us, counting my friend Tonto. Oh, yeah. Larson, from now on, don't ask questions. Just do what you're told and count on us. I never thought I'd trust a man that wore a mask, stranger. But there's something about your style that makes me like you and trust you. I'm taking your orders from now on. <laughs> had a definite purpose in mind when he freed the three men Crowley had imprisoned. In the meantime, the sheriff and his posse scoured the country in search of the masked man and his companions, but without success. The hunt continued for several days. 
Bush became incensed over the delay. At length, the banker approached Crowley in the cafe and spoke heatedly. I could really make a clean-up if I could count on you at all, but I can't. Mr. Bush, I'm doing all a man can do. Ain't found a one of the four men. Three. Four, including the masked man that saved the others, or ain't you bothering to hunt him? Yeah, sure we are. A stranger drifted into town today and opened a big account at the bank. Yeah. If only I could count on you. The next one won't get away from me, I promise you that. Yeah. There won't be a next one for some time. It takes a while for me to line things up. Hey, Sheriff, come fast. There's been a shooting down the road of people. A shooting? Come on, quick. Maybe you can get the hombre. Did you see anything of the man that done the shooting? Well, there's a man still there. He's examining the redskin he shot. He's a stranger in town. Not in my time. I reckon that's what he calls himself. Come on, Sheriff. Here's a chance to do something. I'm on my way. Uh, Never mind. I'll see you later. You won't need your horse. Just a few rounds away. Listen to me, Sheriff. I'm listening. Don't run so fast. I can't keep up. Well, I've got to get there. It's a murder. If that man's name is Markheim, he's the one put a lot of money in the bank, see? What about Here's your chance to make good on one thing for me. What is it? See that Markheim gets arrested and hung. He'll get arrested and hung, all right. He's guilty. Never mind whether he's guilty or not. Make him guilty. You mean? I mean we can claim him same as we did them others. What's more, we got a real murder to start with. You're coming, Sheriff. Can't you come no faster than that? I'm with you. He's still there, standing looking over the redskin he's got. I can see the angel's got the cash on him. Hey, you! Don't make a move. You're under arrest. I'm not going to run away. You're covered. My time. It's you. Sure, it's me. Oh, you're Mr. Bush, ain't you? I am, and this is Sheriff Crowley. Sheriff, I don't know who done this shooting, but... What do you mean you don't know who done it? You done it. You're wrong there, Mr. Bush. I didn't have no part in it. Don't give us none of that. You're guilty. Who else would shoot an engine? We ain't sure about it, Sheriff. We just heard the shot and run out. I did the same thing. I heard the shooting, ran over, and the engine was there on the ground. I told the zombie to sort of stand around and watch, and I'd go fetch you, Sheriff. He's the one killed the engine, all right. Take his gun. Hold on, Sheriff. Ain't you being a little hasty? No, I ain't. It's my duty to warn you. Anything you say can be used against you. I'll search him, Sheriff. That ain't exactly right, Mr. Bush. I'm the I one. I said I'd search him. Oh, all right, then. All right. Just what's the meaning of all this, Sheriff? What rights Bush to search me? He ain't a lawman, is he? None of your talk now. No, you don't seem to have much money on you. You know blamed well where all my money is, Bush. I put it in your bank today. You did? Well, you know blame well I did. I don't know nothing of the sort. Hold on there. That's my receipt for the money you got. This ain't nothing but a scrap of paper. You must be loco, Mr. Markheim. Loco? That's what I said. I don't recollect you putting any money in my bank. Of all the dirty lion coyotes, what sort of game is this? Take him to jail, sir. He's a murderer, all right. You can't do this. Come on, Markheim. That banker's saying I ain't no money in this bank. I'm innocent. You can't call me guilty. I'm as innocent as you are, Sheriff. You can't take me to jail. You ain't only going to jail. You're going to the hangman's noose. We got evidence enough to send you there. The curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger drama. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments.
And now, on with our story. You will recall that in the first act of tonight's Lone Ranger drama, the banker and the sheriff of Wells City framed three men for murder, only to have them taken from jail by the masked man. The accused men were large depositors in the bank owned by Bush who intended to steal their funds. The Lone Ranger, however, had freed the convicted men as part of a plan to bring Bush and Crowley to justice. Then a fourth man entered the story. His name was Markheim, and he was discovered standing over an Indian he was accused of killing. That same afternoon, Markheim had placed a large sum of money in the bank. Bush saw another opportunity to frame an important depositor. Hold on now, Sheriff. Can't you listen to me for just a minute or so? Oh, talk fast, sir. What is it? You ain't even looked to make sure the Redskins dead before you jail me for murder. We'll do the looking later. We don't take chances with murderers like you. Then make that banker give me back the paper he took from me. Ah, it wasn't nothing but a scrap of paper. I throwed it away. It's a receipt for the cash I banked in your place today, Bush. I suppose now you'll claim I ain't no money there and keep it for yourself. Take him in, Sheriff. Yep. Come on, Markham. But the Redskin. I'll go back and see if he's dead for sure. No, you won't. What the? The masked man again. You'll all stand right where you are. Callie, if he gets this prisoner away from you, I'll have you rid out in town on the rail. I'm not after your prisoner. I'm here to take the Indian away with me. See here, you. You're under arrest. Take talk from a man who doesn't dare reach for his gun. Shoot him, Crowley. Don't stand there like a sniveling coward. Draw and shoot. Don't try it. I'm still holding one gun on you. Now's your chance. While he's trying to heist the redskin on his horse. Go ahead if you think you can complete the draw. He's grease lightning with a gun, Mr. Bush. I'll shoot my... Now's your chance. Shoot. Shoot him. I'll try. Give him, Crowley. Try again. He's still riding. Uh, Ain't no use, Bush. He's out of sight in the dark. That horse he's riding is grease lightning. What did he want, the dead Indian fellow? Don't ask me. Well, see that you don't let the prisoner get away, blast it all, Crowley. Don't let him get away. Ranger made no attempt to rescue the sheriff's latest prisoner. Instead, he and Tonto rode swiftly to their camp. There they were met by the three fugitives who had agreed to assist in carrying out his plan. Here we are, Tonto. How did it come out? What happened, mister? What did you do? Everything worked out just as we hoped. They didn't even examine Tonto to see if he'd been shot or not. Can you beat that? It's just like I said. The sheriff's a crook and so is Bush. Not only that... They made sure to get the bank deposit slip away from Markheim. Bush done that, didn't he? Yes, and the sheriff permitted it. That means Markheim will be slated to hang, and he won't have a chance of getting away. Not unless the masked man gets him away like he done us. We're going to let Markheim go on trial. And when that trial comes up, the sheriff and Ben Bush will have a surprise. had proved the dishonesty of the sheriff and the banker beyond all possibility of doubt. In the meantime, Markheim was put on trial. A jury was hastily summoned, and the evidence of a series of lying witnesses presented to the court. Then Markheim drawed his gun and fired. The redskin dropped dead. 
That's all I got to say, Judge. That man lies, Judge. You're out of order, Mark Hine. Be quiet. But my gun wasn't even fired. The sheriff can tell you that. How about that, Sheriff? Oh, might have been fired and might not have been. I dumped the cartridges out without looking to see. You're railroading me to the hangman's rope. That's what you're doing. One after another, the witnesses swore to the same story. Markheim, they said, had killed the Indian. But outside the courthouse, a group of men led by the Lone Ranger watched the progress of the trial with keen interest. We hear the masked man as he addresses one of his companions. Frisbee. Yeah? Are those witnesses the same ones who testified against you? Yes, they are. They had plenty to say against me, too. The same men? Yeah. Dirty rags. They're all being paid for that by Ben Bush. Just wait. I'd like to get in there and have my say. Not yet. Look, the jury's going out now. Markheim hasn't had his full say yet. Wait until the jury comes in. But stranger, what's Markheim going to do? Wait and watch. Yourself get here saying that. There's a jury coming back. That jury is a hanging one. Let's have it quiet here. Order in the court. Sheriff Crowley, you're acting as clerk. Go on and send to business. Answer the jury. Have you reached a verdict? Well, let one of you stand up and tell it to the judge. And we, uh, we find the prisoner guilty of murder. Markham, you better stand up and face me so as I can sentence you. First of all, before you sentence me, Judge, I've got something to say. Well, make it short. In the first place, I'm charged of murdering a man that's not even proved to be dead. In the second place, not one of those witnesses saw the shooting. In the third place, my gun was not fired. And in the fourth place, before I'm through, you're all going to be sorry you had so much to say. What's the meaning of such talk? You're found guilty. And I'm not. Judge, there's plenty of crooks in this town. Maybe you're one of them, maybe you ain't. We'll find that out before another ten minutes goes by. What? Right now, friends of mine are coming into this courtroom. Keep everyone covered, boys. No, no one make a move. The mayor's man. Here's T. Larson, one of the escaped prisoners. Order! Order in this court! You're under arrest. No one is under arrest just yet. Slade, Frisbee. Bring in the Indian. We're coming. All of you, be quiet. There's the other two fugitives. Order in this court. You can't run things in this high-handed way, even if you are holding two guns on us. 
Careful, that's it. We're covering everyone. All right, my friend. Take charge. Get this place quiet so I can go. Quiet! Quiet, That's better. For the time being, Sheriff, you can't arrest those fugitives because they've got you and all your men covered. All right. All right, Martin. But you said the body of the man you shot wasn't on hand. Or what do you call the engine Frisbee and Slade brought in? I'd like to ask the witnesses if that's the man I'm said to have shot. Yes, it is. Do you agree with that banker, Bush? Yeah. What about you, Sheriff? It's him. Then, Judge, I'm not a murderer. Stand up, Tuttle. Me not shot. Me not hurt. It's a double cross and flavor. That's what it is. Wait, I ain't done yet. Quiet in this room. Maybe there ain't the man you shot, Martin. I didn't shoot anyone. Judge, the two men who just came in, Frisbee and Slade were tried and found guilty in your court. Yes, that's right. And the witnesses against them was the same ones that appeared against me. Ain't that so, boys? Sure is. And the reason was, Bush stole the money they had in his bank. Then, with the help of the sheriff and lying witnesses, he framed them for murder. That ain't so. Ain't so, I tell you. Mark, I'm lying. Quiet, sheriff. You make a more noise. Me stopping you. Get away from me, Redskin. Let me ask you this, Banker Bush. Did I put cash in your bank? No, you did not. You heard that, Judge? Yeah, I heard it. Bush, you think you're safe in denying I put cash in your bank because you thought you got the slip of paper that would prove it. Well, all you got was a copy of that same. Here, Judge, is the paper with Ben Bush's signature on it. What about it, Judge? Is Mark Ham right? He seems to be. But never in my life have I seen anything like that. I ain't done yet, Judge. The masked man fired a shot, and I stayed where Tonto lay on the ground, waiting to see if I'd be framed. All them witnesses that said they seen the murder lied. Steve, you were watching Abe Gorman when the shot was fired. Where was he? Gorman was gambling in the cafe. Bless you. Slade, you were watching Lehman and Snyder when the shot was fired. Yeah, and they was calling on the widow Perkins. Mrs. Perkins will prove that. See here, Judge. Wait! Let me speak, Mark Hyme. Yes, Your Honor. You wondered if I was on the level. Well, you'll find out. Yeah? All it takes is a look at the faces of them lying witnesses to know the truth. Every one of them should be jailed for swearing away a man's life. <laughs> but, Judge, I... For you, sir. And you, Bush. It looks like the murders Frisbee, Slade, and Larson have been charged with are still unsolved. And it looks like it's up to me to appoint a deputy sheriff to arrest you for investigation. One minute, Judge. Yeah? You needn't appoint anyone. The United States Marshal is here to take charge of things. He is? Where's he at? You know him as Markheim. He come here to frame up the bunch of us. I came here at the suggestion of the Lone Ranger. He and Tonto outlined a plan where I'd be bait for the trap to show the sheriff and his deputies up as scheming crooks. But where's the Lone Ranger? You mean that masked man is the Lone Ranger? That's about the size of it. Come, Tonto. Wait! Wait a minute, Lone Ranger. This town owes you a plenty. Stop him. I want to speak to him. It's due to him that this community will be safe for honest men.
this next one, y'all, is one that I've heard ever since I was a little bitty girl. Uh, but, well, the first time I heard it was when I was in the first grade. Now, my Aunt Billy Grace, she used to, um, she used to read me fairy tales back when I was little, and I don't remember her reading that one. But, um, anyway, uh, by the time I got in first grade, I was familiar with it. Uh, it's called Rapunzel. And, um, the name of this show, by the way, is Let's Pretend, and that's where they take, you know, little, these stories and, and, you know, turn them into little plays or what have you. And, um, poor, in this version, uh, poor Rapunzel is, uh, her family is cursed by this witch, and this witch is supposed to get her when she's born, their first born daughter. And so, you know, she takes her up to this tower, and she moves the ladders and everything where she can't get down. So she's just stuck up there. But when the witch wants up there uh, to talk to her, she'll... um She'll make her let her hair down and she'll climb up her hair. Can you imagine somebody climbing up your hair? Uh. And, uh, but it's a cute story. So, um, y'all give it a listen. American Family Cereal presents Let's Pretend. Well, thank you for a very swell welcome, pretenders. Well, how about a story? Let's go is right. Gwen, Sybil, front and center. All set with a story, Uncle Bill. One of our all-time favorites. It's Rapunzel. Oh, that's the one about the girl with the long golden hair? That's the one, Uncle Bill. And it's Anne-Marie Geyer's turn to say how we travel. Well, how about our own special express train with no stops between here and let's pretend? All right, a special train it is. All set, everybody? One, a two, a three. This train for let's pretend, Rapunzel, and points beyond the moon. Once upon a time in the Nightingale Kingdom, there lived a young and devoted couple named John and Marion. Next door lived a witch in a garden filled with magic lettuce, which would heal any illness. Marion, the young wife, was very ill, and her husband braved the danger of the witch to buy some of the lettuce. The witch refused. Our story begins at midnight in the witch's garden. I've caught you. Let me go. Please, please, let me go. I'm to steal my lettuce for you after I told you you couldn't have it. I have quite a score to settle with you. I wanted to be honest, but you wouldn't let me be. 
And my little wife says she will die unless she has some of the magic lettuce. Yeah, likely story. Oh, have pity on me, witch. I didn't want to steal it. I tried to buy it first. Please understand and forgive me. Well, you were honest with me. All right. I'll make a bargain with you. What is it? You may have all the lettuce you want if... If you will promise that should you ever have a daughter, you will give her to me for my own. Oh, no. I couldn't make that promise. Very well, then. That was your only chance, and you refused it. Now I shall put a curse on you and your wife. Prepare from henceforth. No. Don't hurt my little wife. I promise. I swear our first daughter will be yours. Very well. I have your word, and I'll hold you to it. Now take the lettuce and go back to your wife and tell her the good news. Oh, my sweet, sweet baby. Look, John, look how she wrinkles up her funny little nose. <laughs> what shall we call her, Marion? Something that goes with her beautiful golden hair. Look, dear, how tiny she is. And even now, her hair touches the ground. The name must be as beautiful as she is. But what shall it be? I'll settle that. What? You didn't expect to see me so soon, did you? What are you doing here, witch? You promised your first daughter to me. I've come for her. That's what I'm doing here. Oh, no, witch, don't take my baby. Why, a bargain's a bargain. You got the magic letter she wanted. I wish to have your daughter. She's mine. And I know what I shall name her. Rapunzel. That means little salad. For that's how I got her. If you hadn't wanted the salad, I shouldn't have had her. You can't have her, you say. I can't take our baby. I won't let you. No, all right. You've brought this on yourself. Mother of witches, attend me. Turn these people into stone until I have taken the child that belongs to me away. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, come here. Yes, Godmother, what is it? Listen to me. Tomorrow you pack your basket, comb out your hair and braid it tightly and be ready to go with me. But, Godmother, you know I can't manage my hair by myself. No, I'll help you. I don't intend to have it trailing over the meadow and have everything you want packed in your basket. You'll be gone a long time. Where are we going? To a high tower I have built where there'll be no stairs for busybodies to climb and no prying eyes to interfere. But... How can I go up and down from the tower without stairs? You can't. That's the reason I'm taking you there. And you'll stay there until I see fit to bring you back. Until then, you will see only me. Why do you punish me as if I'd done something terrible? <laughs> I'm going to turn you into a powerful witch. Oh, no. And there's a reason why you have such long golden hair, too. You see, you climb up first on a rope ladder, which I'll take away once you're up there. And after that, when I come to see you, I shall stand below the window. When I call, you will let down your long braids and I shall climb by them. Oh, how awful. Why do you do this to me? Because I know what is best for you. Now, 
Pack your basket and start braiding your golden hair. Oh, no, please, Godmother. Another sound out of you and I shall beat you until you can't stand. Do you hear me? Yes, Godmother. Now then, get ready for the tower. Hello, little bird. Are you sorry for me? At least you're free. You aren't locked in a cage as I am. Oh, well, if the birds find comfort in their song, perhaps I can, too. Listen, Edward. Do you hear that lovely voice? Yes, I do, Your Highness. But I see no one. Where does it come from? By all the gods, I intend to find out. A voice like that must belong to a very beautiful girl. Listen. Look, Your Highness. There's a tower that reaches far above the trees. Why, so there is. Strange we've never seen that before. Sire, listen. The voice comes from the tower. You're right, it does. And how sweet it is. Edward, I must know the possessor of such a voice. There's someone coming. Creep in these bushes, Your Highness. Let's see what happens. Perhaps we'll find out something important for us to know. They tear a person to pieces with their thorns and stickers. Rapunzel! Rapunzel, let down your hair that I may climb without a stair. Why, Godmother? Are you coming up to the tower? Certainly I am. Let down your hair and stand still, idiot. This ladder is bad enough to climb without you weaving around. I want you to stop that singing. Hold still. Your voice echoes all through the forest. No one is to know where you are. Here. That's a climb. Here. Here are your supplies for the month. Did you understand what I've said? Stop that singing. Godmother, I shall die if I can't sing. I would want to. There's nothing else to live for. Oh, yes, there is. You'll live and learn to work enchantments and mix magic potions. (laughs) And you'll grow old and ugly like me. Then I won't care who sees you, for nobody will want to. Now, let down your hair. I must get back to my hut and dig in the garden. Oh, why did you adopt me? Why don't you kill me and be done with it? I enjoy thinking what an excellent magic worker you'll be. I won't be a witch. I won't. Stand still now. And remember, if I hear you singing, I shall come back and beat you. If you do, I won't let down my hair for you to climb on. Even if I stop. (laughs) And I shall sing to you, wicked, wicked woman. I won't stop. For this disobedience, wait and see. <laughs> She'll pay for this. Wait and see. The old woman is gone, Your Highness. I can hardly believe my ears and eyes. Did you see that lovely face as the girl leaned out of the window? And those unbelievably long braids of golden hair. Well, oh, she's exquisite. Well, we've stumbled on the strangest thing I've ever heard of, Your Highness. Edward, do you know what I intend to do? Oh, knowing you as I do, I can guess. You're quite right. Tonight, when it's dark, I shall return. I shall call as the witch did and 
then we shall see what happens. I rather imagine that's what you do. You'll come with me and be the lookout to warn me if the old hag returns. Yes, sir. I don't want harm to come to the girl. Come, we'll return at dusk. Having imprisoned the lonely Rapunzel in a tower, the witch reaches her by climbing up the long golden braids of hair. But one day, a prince rode by and heard Rapunzel singing. He hid in the bramble bushes, saw the witch climb up, and saw Rapunzel's beautiful face as she leaned out. He was determined to investigate. It is now dark as the prince and his friend Edward stand at the foot of the tower. Ready, Your Highness? Make your voice light. Rapunzel, Rapunzel, let down your hair that I may climb without a stair. My godmother, what are you doing here? You've never come to me before after dark. And your voice, what happened to it? The night air makes me hoarse. Let down your hair instantly. Oh, oh, it pulled. It seems you're heavier than you've ever been. Oh, please, try to be careful. I'm glad you... Who are you? Please, little lady, don't be frightened. But I am. Oh, go quickly, please. The witch will beat me. Go away. Please, beautiful lady, I wouldn't have harm come to you for all the wealth in the kingdom. Please believe me and let me talk quietly with you. Won't you? I can't be frightened when I hear the gentleness of your voice. But how did you know I was here? I heard you singing. And the beauty of your voice alone was enough to intrigue me. Oh, little lady, what are you doing shut up like this? Who are you? What's your name? Please trust me and tell me about yourself. I do trust you. My name is Rapunzel. My godmother is a witch and... Oh, sir, the most dreadful thing of all. She intends to make one of me, too. How unspeakably awful. It mustn't be. You mustn't stay here any longer. It's not fair. You have a right to a happy life of your own. You're kind, but you don't know the power of my godmother. She would kill me before she'd let me go. Who are you, please? Oh, Mademoiselle, permit me. I am Prince Terence. Oh, a prince, did you say? A real prince? To the rest of the world, perhaps. But to you, lovely one, just an ordinary person who kneels at your feet and kisses your hand in tribute to your perfect beauty. Oh, my dear, I want to be your friend and help you. It's no use. The witch would find out and she would do terrible things to both of us. How can we get away from her? She'll kill us both or enchant us if she finds out. I can't have harm come to you. What shall I do? Leave that to me, Rapunzel. Tomorrow night I shall bring a rope ladder. Then I'll adjust it, help you, and we shall escape. Will you be ready? Yes. Oh, how happy I shall be to get away from here. And with me, my dear. And with you, my prince. Bless you. Until tomorrow night, then... I hate to use this golden hair, but I must. Just once more, you must endure it, my dear. I don't mind. What a lucky man I am. Be ready, my sweet, and we shall leave this hideous place forever. Good night. Good night. My heart is singing with happiness. Good night, my dear. <laughs> climb without a stair. I didn't expect you, Godmother. It's almost dark. I was just about asleep. 
Won't you come back tomorrow? Give me the ladder instantly. How dare you question me? Very well, Godmother. There it is. Oh, please be careful. You're pulling my hair terribly. I mean to. I heard strange whisperings in the wind and I came to find out what they were. Help me over the window. That's better. What's this? Why is your basket packed? And you're all wrapped up. What's going on here, Rapunzel? Why, why, I... I I'm... was right. You have tried to trick me. A screech owl called three times last night to warn me that's what he meant. Come here to me. Look at me. What's happening here? Oh, Godmother, I dare not lie to you. But please, I beg of you, please let me go. Let me be happy with my prince, please. Oh, you try to deceive me. Me, a witch who knows your every thought as soon as you do. Very well, I'll teach you to deceive me. Give me those scissors. Oh, don't hurt me. What are you going to do? I'll show you. No, no, no. to save me now. <laughs> I'll show you how. And just wait until he sees who's holding these golden braids for him to climb. <laughs> oh, what shall I do? Oh, I don't know what if to If you do. want to live, keep still. Tell him to come up. If you don't want him with a broken neck, say nothing else. I warn you. Tell him to come up. Come up, my prince. Once more will I use your lovely hair for a ladder, my dear. And then we shall... You don't seem happy, my lovely lady. What's wrong? Aren't you glad to go away? Aren't you glad this is the last... Aren't you glad to see me? Quite a surprise, isn't it? Better stay on the windowsill. You'll be more comfortable. Get out of my way, old woman. I don't want to hurt you. No? Well, I'm different. Prepare to reach the ground more quickly than you came up. Now then, my fine young prince, pick yourself up out of those thorns and brambles if you can. You beast, you wicked woman. Oh, my love, I'm coming to you. Don't jump, you idiot. You'll break your neck. Don't jump. Let me go. I'm coming, my love. I'm coming. Love, are you all right? Where are you? I can't see you, Rapunzel. The thorns have blinded me. I can't see you. Please speak to me. Tell me you're all right. I'm all right. Oh, my dear, your eyes. Your poor blind eyes. And you did this for me. What do I feel? <laughs> Tears? Are those tears from your eyes and mine, my dearest love? Oh, the wicked woman, I could kill her. Oh, my beloved, I shall never leave you. Never. We will be married at once and I'll take care of you always. And my eyes shall see for both of us. Don't weep, Rapunzel. My face is wet with your precious tears. And just to know that you care for me, that you'll marry me... Rapunzel, my, my eyes... I'm not blind. I can see. You can see? Your tears falling on my eyes have healed them, my dear. 
Look at me. My eyes are well again. Oh, thank heaven. Thank heaven for this miracle. The miracle of love, Rapunzel. And the witch. That dreadful woman has failed in every wicked thing she's tried to do. Evil can never overcome good. And our love for each other has destroyed her power. She's the prisoner in the tower now, and she shall stay there until she changes her ways. She'll never see you again, my dearest. For within an hour, the wedding chimes at the castle will ring, and you shall be my queen. Come, my dear. To the ends of the world with you, my prince. Defenders for today were... Gwen Davies. Sybil Trent. Rapunzel. Marilyn Erskine. Her father. Bill Lipton. Her mother. Anne-Marie Geyer. The witch. Miriam Wolfe. The prince. Albert Alley. His friend Edward. Jack Rimes. Original music was composed and conducted by Maurice Brown. Rapunzel was adapted for radio by Nyla Mack and directed by Albert Ward. Would you like to see a broadcast of Let's Pretend? Well, if you live in or near New York... Just drop a postcard to Cream of Wheat, CBS, New York, for your tickets. They are absolutely free. This is Bill Adams saying, remember to eat Cream of Wheat, the great American family cereal. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Okay, folks. Um... I forgot to say that that was the strawberry and whipped cream the, the, uh, that I put on my ice cream. And that was, uh, that was Rapunzel from Let's Pretend. Oh, I think I'm getting too eager to come out of here. And not because I don't enjoy talking and, and having fun, but I'm just, uh, I got some things that need to happen. <laughs> so anyway, I'll see you next Sunday and y'all have a grandiose week. 